The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And I hope that everybody had a wonderful holiday season because the Bears have dropped off a beautiful holiday present, Christmas present, if you will, or if you're my mom, a nice birthday present because it's her birthday today, as the Chicago Bears have defeated the Seattle Seahawks 25-24 to in, honestly, a way more fun football game than I think any of us really thought it would be. Now, being the holiday season, and I know I'm spending time with my family, hopefully you are too, I've got my brother again with me. So, Michael, what did you think of the game? I mean, crazy one, right? Yeah, uh, I forget that winning's fun. Um, winning is, is very fun, especially when you do it as dramatically as we did. Um, and not only that, but, I mean, going for two has been such a, a hot topic this year to win games. You can ask John Harbaugh. It, it has been a hot topic. Um, but, man, it was fun, especially when you don't have to worry about uh, making your own draft pick worse. That's that's kind of nice. Not to – I mean, exactly, right? It, you, we were talking about that before the show where we could have been – first of all, this could have been the QB1 by this point of the season. Had Andy Dalton either gotten hurt or – or just played badly, we might have seen QB2 at the time. This is pre-Justin Fields. Nick Foles get the ball. And if nothing else, not only is it great to win a game knowing that all we did was drop the Giants from, I believe it was tied for fifth to eighth in the draft order, but also we got to see a game in which I don't know if you were seeing what I was seeing, Michael, but this felt like Nick Foles was changing every other play at the line of scrimmage, and it was just funny to see a quarterback go out there, convert third downs, hit the fade to Jimmy Graham, do a whole bunch of things that, look, I don't want to go out here and say that we can definitively suggest that Matt Nagy had less of a role in this than Nick did, but I will tell you that if this was how Nick was supposed to play last year, we never saw it. We have a healthy sample size of Nick Foles looking dramatically worse than he did today, and hey, part of that's probably Seattle's woeful secondary, but either way, does it get any more dramatic than a second and 14, like, deep throw to Cole Kmet on that over-the-middle post, beautiful ball, but, oh, it's out of bounds. I looked at you, I said, see, that's the trouble with going for it all. If you go for it all and you don't get it, you're in a really tough, oh my gosh, they scored! They scored! That was unbelievable like you said super fun to be a part of and not to mention we got to see some rookies develop while we did yeah uh it was it was interesting because in the middle of the game jimmy graham had you know kind of a random four or five yard catch that might totally not be right but it was it was just kind of in the middle of of the game and i looked at robert and i said huh i kind of kind of forget jimmy graham's here every now and then and and I guess he heard me. Um, something happened, but I mean, what a catch from a guy who probably is, even with making that catch, still making way too much money. But oh well, I guess. I mean, it was insanely dramatic. Interesting. I, I was telling you during the game that uh, falls through almost the exact same throw to Komet on that second down that he threw a touchdown to Komet. 
against Carolina last year. Um, but yeah, crazy that Foles came in and just, you know, threw it up where, where his guy could get it, which is something that, you know, in Philadelphia, he was very much known for of just like, I'm going to put it for you. Please go up and try to make a play. Like <laughs> it's not going to be perfect, but it'll be in the vicinity. I mean, Alshon was really good at making those things happen all the way to a, a Super Bowl. you know, as, as awful as I bringing him up may be. <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, it's funny too, looking back at this. Cause when you look at the, balance in the offense the the Bears running game was frankly more boomer bust than their passing game was which it may not seem that way right because Montgomery has 21 carries but stats show he had 45 yards not a lot of runs for two yards three yards like you know milk toast middle of the road runs either David Montgomery, like the first first down of the game, was train wrecking a defensive back to pick up a first down, or he was losing two to three yards to kick a drive off. I don't know how you were feeling about it, because obviously it wouldn't be a Bears podcast now that they're five and ten if we weren't at least modestly negative. But the Bears decision making, especially on first down with how consistently they ran the ball. I mean, we caught on to it. Seattle caught on to it. And you add in that unbelievably strange second down wildcat they had their first trip into the red zone. I mean, the Bears offensive staff, I feel like, made some really curious decisions. But hey, and I can't believe we're saying this about number nine, Nick Foles, when you've got a quarterback that can bail you out at the end of the game, and apparently when you've got a receiver that can make a wild catch on a two-point conversion, all you come away with is smiles, right? Yeah, um... I mean, again, obviously, lots to be happy about. Um, but you know, I'm glad you brought up that that goal line stand because, truth be told, like it's frustrating. And again, it wouldn't be a Bears podcast if we didn't bring up frustrations with specifically, you know, the bald man himself, Matt Nagy. Um, but the fact that after last week of having three trips to the red zone, and you know crossing his arms and going for it on all three of them and not getting it and turning the ball over on all three of them to a point of like probably being in the game last week more than we were at the end if we had kicked on those scenarios to then turn around and have zero learning zero okay like you know I can really see the why of of what this happened um to turn around and do the exact same thing and I mean, I know Foles made the right read to throw it to the flat, but man, there were those two guys that were on both sides of Montgomery. It just like at the beginning of this game, there were a couple moments of of comically bad, and that certainly was one of them. Oh, oh, there were some nasty ones. Like we already mentioned the wildcat call earlier in the game. We also had Larry Borum getting bumped in at left tackle instead of starting for Jermaine Fady, who's on a one year deal and was named captain along with Bruce Irvin, who also had that taunting call at the end. I mean, the Hooray! Bears. The Bears played so many one-year veterans, whether it was Artie Burns or one-year deal veterans, to be clear. Whether it was Artie Burns getting play time over Thomas Graham, who made some really nice plays at the end and got toasted. We will talk about that in just a little bit. Whether it was Bruce Irvin playing over Travis Gibson, whether it was Jermaine Fady playing over Larry Borum, Borum then switching. Remember, he started the season at left tackle after getting drafted from playing right tackle, then shifted to right tackle, and now then got moved back to left tackle when Tevin Jenkins got his shoulder hurt. And if that sounds confusing, his footwork sure looked like it on that on that sack he gave up in the or in the red zone. Foles also battled through a fumble, like four sacks on the day, and ended up turning in a relatively productive, I mean, at least to me, the healthiest third down offense that the Bears has had all season. And again, there's a decent chance that some of that's Seattle. But I mean, they he went into, I think, the third quarter, what was it, 161-ish yards, give or take, with 26 passes. So things really heated up there in the fourth, which usually you would credit to bad coaching. But I'll spin it another way, Michael. I think one of the funniest things about watching this game, if you felt like what I felt like, was it's really easy as a fan who watches all the games of one specific team to tell yourself, our team is unbelievably frustrating and I hate watching them. And after last week with the Vikings, where Kirk Cousins turned in an 88-yard game, 
and yes, he won, but it was ugly against the Bears, a bad team, to this week where, I mean, Robert Quinn's sack was unbelievably well-timed that he pulled the Seattle from third and five to fourth and 17, and they missed a field goal. But gosh, it felt like Seattle threw away a perfectly good game given they were up 17 to seven at half, you know? Yeah, um, man, that, that Quinn sack was so clutch. I mean, it, that dude has been a very, very awesome shining spot of an otherwise interesting season, to say nonetheless. Interesting. Um, but, I mean, yeah, there is definitely, you know, I remember this feeling because it was the same feeling that I had when we beat Atlanta last year. Uh, and Nick came in and he did everything that we thought they would and, you know, Mitch threw the picks and wasn't looking great. And then Nick came in and, you know, he was calling all these audibles and kills and he, he told Anthony Miller to run to the L and, you know, he threw the touchdown and, and he had the fourth down conversion that then was bumped back because there was a penalty. So then he converted the same fourth down again and like, there were just so many things that were so exciting about that game that were very much Atlanta being awful and, you know, Nick Foles playing well. Right. And, and I'm, I'm trying to, to temper my expectations for playing the giants next week. Now, granted who are not great either. So maybe, you know, we could just continue rolling, but there is definitely going to be some pumping of the brakes, at least for my own expectations for the rest of the year, because no, I don't think Nick Foles is the long-term option. No. As much as I convinced myself that he was last year and that, now granted, in the right system, you know, plug and play in certain teams right now, cough Indianapolis Colts, uncough, I think he could, he could be great and he could be a starter who would be sustaining a really good offense. But no, I don't think he's the long-term solution in Chicago because that, is going to rest in Justin Fields' hands. And, right. you know, I'm, this game would have looked very different with Justin Fields. And I'm not necessarily going to say that the result would have looked different because the way that the secondary for Seattle was playing specifically, there is a solid chance that that a lot of the throws that I saw Justin Fields making last week would have turned into points this week against this team. So there's a lot to think about there. Sure. I mean, it's, it's really hard to tell, right? And... And I don't want to make a claim one way or another and back ourselves into a corner. I mean, hey, look, there's a very decent chance that Justin Fields would have lost this game because there's part of me that feels like we watched a different offense. Like the Bears went back towards a little bit of RPO action. They called a ton of verticals, like a lot, because you kept seeing David Montgomery like pop out on little hooks and buttons for check down routes that he'd pick up a solid amount of yardage. Let me take a look at his statistics because I got him pulled up here. David Montgomery finished the day with a really nice day receiving. As a matter of fact, he was the Bears leading receiver with seven catches, most on the team, and 61 yards, also most on the team. He picked up even he tied Mooney for targets with nine. So, Nick Foles did a good job using his back. I mean, I can't look at you in the eyes and say that this was the Dalton offense or the Fields offense or last year's Foles offense, which almost gives me, especially after that touchdown where it's not like they panned the camera and showed Nick Foles and Matt Nagy warmly embracing each other or anything. There's part <laughs> of me that wonders whether Nick Foles just sort of made it up on the fly because, look, I it's that's a ridiculous thing to say, and I get that, but this isn't the foals that we saw last year and if it was i think <laughs> i don't think people would have been quite as willing to run him out of town you know what i mean yeah um there's a lot behind the scenes that we're not necessarily gonna gonna get in a tweet or even in an interview we're never uh, gonna know yeah but obviously you look back to this off season you look back to a lot that went down with nick foals and a guy who is revered as, you know, the locker room guy and no matter what role he's in, he's going to be professional and people only say nice things about him. And he pulled up at the start of this year kind of just tossing rockets. Um, and I don't mean with his arm. I, I mean, in an interview saying, you know, hey, you look at what Coach Reich did for me in Philadelphia. You look at, you know, the way that, 
that offense was catered to my strengths and we hoisted the Lombardi trophy. And so he was saying, I'm going to go out with these third stringers and I'm going to dice up everybody I can. But you know, that's what I saw today. I saw him, especially that second half, I saw a lot of dicing up from Nick Foles. And so, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it is nice to have a win that feels good and feels great as a fan and at the same time doesn't exactly assure me that Matt Nagy is secretly the guy. Oh. I can kind of have both of those simultaneously, which is an even better feeling that I'm still not incredibly confident in him. Any days after this season is over, I would love to see him on the market finding another job somewhere. Sure. I mean, like you're saying, that I think that's the important part, right? I'll slow my own roll. It's not as if Nick Foles was a revelation. He was just decent. Came up with some big throws when he needed to. We didn't see any massive misfires. We didn't see throws into double coverage. I saw him milk the referees for all the defensive pass interferences that he could get, including a fourth and three throw where he might have been able to ha- or get the first down with his legs if he'd you know taken on some contact, but instead he floated a ball up that, look, I feel like that gets called defensive pass interference seven times out of ten, and this must have been one of the three because I think it was Damian Williams didn't get the call. And, and and you know what? Maybe there's some degree of he got the call earlier in the game with Darnell Mooney on an underthrow. He got the call with Daz Newsom, if memory serves, on an over route, and the referees said, Nick, you've gotten enough of these. We're not giving you this one on fourth down. Maybe. I don't know. But either way... Obviously, there were some big throws when we needed some big throws, but I don't think this changes anything about Matt Nagy. I mean, we're still a 5-10 and ten team, well out of the playoffs. The Bears still got their face of the franchise, and they can't seem to figure out how to use him the way that he seems to be successful. I mean, he throws two beautiful darts on play-action boots last week, and those were the only two we saw, even though they both came in the first quarter. But... All that to say, because this isn't a Justin Fields podcast, that it was a fun win. And let's be honest, there were some major defensive miscues. We could probably talk about those right after the sponsorship break, but it was fun. You know, I mean, that's that's sort of my end state thought. What about yours? Yeah, I mean, it was fun in a lot of different ways, especially with the first quarter and maybe a good amount of the first half being fun in like a comedically bad way. Um, But I mean... It just Nick Foles kind of just pulled himself up even when things didn't didn't work great and said, here's what I see. And he was able to very, very effectively diagnose every single weakness in the defense and use it uh, in a way that was just super fun. Oh, yeah. It was it was awesome. Another thing I forgot to mention is that honestly, whether it was Nick, whether it was just the the state of the moment. Nick was able to get a lot out of the players around him. I mean, we saw Cole Kmet break a tackle. We saw two, like, yards after catch plays from number 85. We saw Jimmy Graham turn the corner and get upfield. We obviously saw David Montgomery make a lot of really nice things happen in the receiving game. And we saw Darnell Mooney squeeze through, uh, like, a double tackle attempt after Nick had gotten roughed for the play that obviously just flipped the field after the missed field goal that brought the Bears from, if memory serves, their 30 to the Seattle 35. It was I so mean, clutch. <laughs> not to mention the Jimmy Graham ball in the end zone, obviously. The, like, the line hitting their blocks occasionally enough to where Khalil Herbert can trot his way 20 yards out of the end zone right on in. The Demir Bird catch deserves a second mention that thing was unbelievable to see him sky up for the ball make sure that he worked that foot back in bounds and got his knee down while controlling the ball like you say that because i see that look on your face michael i'm sitting right across from you but darnell mooney couldn't do the exact same thing last week and it might have cost justin fields a fourth down touchdown like the games or the game that we saw today was really neat from the offensive perspective, because it's not like giving up one sack means that Larry Borum played really badly or something like that. James Daniels had his moments. Sam Mustafer took a holding call. At, like There were a bunch of mistakes here and there. This doesn't suddenly make the Bears a good team, but it was a fun day. 
where we even saw Marquise Goodwin catch a ball. I kind of forgot he was on the Bears uh, and turn an eight yard like out. You into thought it was Daz Newsome. You I did. forgot that Marquise Goodwin was. And we here. even saw Daz Newsome show up with a couple of catches. Like a good return. Fun overall day after Christmas for, uh, as a Chicago Bears fan from an offensive perspective. And again, the third highest total of the season. Like, is there a part of you? when you look at this just before we get or before we finish up offense and then get to defense that that feels a little (laughs) weird that it took this kind of setting to draw the third best offensive performance out of this offense and your third string quarterback I mean yeah it it reminds you of all the things that you're trying to block out of your mind from earlier (laughs) this year um just so much across the board Uh, it has been very interesting and there's been, you know, again, people are going to say a lot of things because that's just how it goes. But, you know, Justin Fields has, has looked pretty good developmentally and there's just been a lot of situations that points have really not shown for it. I mean, very clearly from last week, the Vikings game, I mean, there was a lot of good of Justin Fields marching the team down to the goal line and then just some just some weird things from calls and drops and you know was he perfect absolutely not but it was really really nice to see points to show for good drives this week in a way that that really hasn't happened for a lot of the year. You know, you bring that up and uh, look, nobody cares. And I get that, right? I need, I need to very clearly state this. We're in the middle of a Seattle post game and nobody cares about the fields game versus the Vikings. It didn't matter to the bears anyways, but to your point last week with a missed field goal and three turnover on downs in the red zone, technically if you made field goals on all of those the bears are winning the game which football doesn't work like that we don't get to retroactively assign 12 points but like you're saying aside from the turnover on downs here it was neat to see the bears come away with points now that involves getting into the end zone that involves getting a yard on quarterback sneaks and honestly that might have been the biggest favor that a ref did the bears all year because I don't know how you felt, <laughs> but I don't think Nick Foles got that second sneak. I think the referee just kind of gave it to him. But, hey, either way, it all helped lead to the thrilling conclusion, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was either Akib or I think it was Akib who was like, I don't think he got it. I don't think he got it. And we were looking. He was like, I see, and I, I don't see anybody in front of that marker. And... I, I mean, to, to, I guess, comment on that, I didn't see anybody really behind the marker either because nobody saw anything from the angles they were giving us. And so from the other side, I'm assuming that a ref was just like, uh, I didn't see it. I mean, I'll see where the ball is at the bottom of the pile. But other than that, I don't know what to tell you. Right. And I mean, yeah, it, it it ended up breaking the bears way, which was really nice. And, and nice to see that after the pass interference call that, you know, again, pass interference is going to be very ticky tack every single time it is thrown or not thrown, but to see Damian Williams try to work back for the ball and run into the defender. Um, and that not get called was, you know, again, I'm a biased fan, but it it was frustrating. (laughs) Like it was, you're right. I mean, I, I I hate doing ref talk because I feel like we we would nod our heads and go, good, that was a good call. Whenever a f- call favors the Bears and obviously we'll get upset about it. Like, yeah. I'll give you an example. One that I can 100% tell you I'm a homer on is that tease to bore unnecessary roughness. I personally don't know what the defender's supposed to do. At, at the same time, I'd probably be looking for the flag if they had hit, say, Darnell Mooney in the same like in the exact same spot so especially if he'd gotten injured on it we'd be like oh my god right exactly i mean there's some of this stuff that you can't avoid the fact that your own emotions will always control how you feel it look the nice thing was was that at the end of the day both teams pursued uh over officiating seattle was the ultimate bummer in a game of bummers because I cannot imagine being a Seattle fan and we've got more on the other side of this break we've obviously got to talk about defense the good the bad and the ugly and even more interesting as my dad literally dropped a note off in the middle of us recording this podcast 
the Russell Wilson trade that did not happen, was it validated? We'll get more to you later, right after this break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back with Bear With Me. I'm here with my younger brother, Michael Schmitz, as we walk through the Bears' truly thrilling win, uh, 25-24, to over a Seattle Seahawks team that had the unequivocal better quarterback that seemed to get out-dueled. Now, look, maybe that's just a Nick Foles specialty. I guess we forgot this angle, right? That whether it's Nick Foles playing Tom Brady, Nick Foles playing Russell Wilson, Nick Foles playing Drew Brees, the guy can be a bit of a kingslayer, so it seems that whether it's New Orleans in 2020, Tampa Bay in 2020, the Super Bowl, the playoffs, Nick Foles seems to live up to whatever he's playing up, a good quarterback, who knows, but either way, like I said before the break, my dad brings up an interesting question, the Russell we're seeing this season, the Bears team we're seeing around all three quarterbacks, looking back, do you feel like the Bears ended up in a better situation with the young rookie Justin Fields on their squad, or would you have taken Russ and lost what sounds like it was probably going to be at least two defenders, two second-round picks, uh, probably three first-round picks? How, how do you feel about the quarterback situation? Yeah, um, I mean, there was a lot of talks this offseason off specifically when it comes to Russell, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, and, you know, the other quarterback that plays in Houston, um, about... Teams selling the farm and then some for these, you know, really, really top quarterback talents. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, I'm not going to say that the Bears are in a great spot developmentally because Ryan Pace really just loves to mortgage the future for the right now. And the right now is 5-10, and 10, which is uh, awesome. But, yeah, it's... I think we're in a great spot in terms of looking for the looking towards the future and, you know, let's say just the end of Justin Fields' rookie contract. I mean, that's still three more years plus right. a fifth year option. I mean, I think we're going to see development in those years and hopefully be to a point where we could say, okay, you know, this is a quarterback that we can move forward with and and build around and do something with and if he proves to be catastrophically bad between now and then then all right cool we can pick ourselves up and draft somebody else but to not necessarily see Russell Wilson just absolutely take this game over was really nice because at the very beginning it looked like that might happen. Well, and you know, you give me a good segue to talk about it, right? Because you mentioned young development. We could talk about a lot of things, but the first thing I'll mention is that the Bears really did take a strange direction here as they played a bunch of guys on one year, often veteran minimum deals, over young rookies in the same spot. Like, they deliberately logjammed their own team. And I see people on Twitter being like, it's just Nagy being spiteful. But I am I am blown away that whether it's George McCaskey, Ryan Pace, Ted Phillips, literally anybody let this happen. That, that Thomas Graham wasn't on the field all game long. That Larry Borum didn't get the start at right tackle. Because no, I do not care 
that Jermaine Afedi had his revenge game against Seattle today. I mean, like, there's there's so much of that development that I feel like the Bears are even shooting themselves in the foot. But man, oh man, looking back, I don't think this team was Russell Wilson away. That's that's where I'm finding myself. Maybe it's partially the fact that the uh, Chicago Bears have made Allen Robinson completely invisible, which has been largely his own doing. Sad. Like, I mean, the the seventeen million dollar wide receiver has been definitely not worth that price tag, right? The maybe it's partially the fact that even with Roquan and Eddie Jackson, not Jalen today, but like pieces, Robert Quinn on this defense, it still feels like it's multiple defenders away from really consistently stopping anybody. But the losing all that draft capital, which the Bears desperately need every shred of draft capital they can get as they move forward, while also getting a Russell Wilson that this year, look, has he been streaky? Has he been bad? Has he been in a rough system? I don't know the Seattle Seahawks well enough to tell you, but what I can say is that this year has been, to me anyways, a real wake-up call in how much impact the quarterback actually has that it feels like, look, I don't know what you're thinking, Michael, but looking at the 2022 season where we saw the Bears trot out like four different offenses, like two with Mitch, two with Foles, to varying degrees of success, and especially that second offense with Foles, just awful, just awful, awful offense. Yeah. But then we saw Foles with, I would tell you, I think a worse overall team, maybe a slightly better offensive line, but I mean, you're trading Coward for Mustafer, Coward somebody who's just going to like a blongly screw up, like basically not block anybody, to Mustafer who's at least going to give him a bump before they run by. Um, <laughs> but like taking all that aside, he looked so much more comfortable today. He looked like the Atlanta Foles, like you said. He looked like Foles before somebody had gone through excessively and neurotically game planning anything, right? Like the guy who started early instead of the guy who was five starts in. It really makes you wonder how much damage this coaching staff is doing. And I am one who would tell you with a straight face, I know I've been monologuing for a while here, that I think coaching can sometimes be overrated. But at the same time, because people will look at any player, whether it's Cole Komet, Rashad Coward, Darnell Mooney, Allen Robinson, anybody. If they like that player and that player isn't performing, it's the coaching's fault, right? And I know that because I'm watching Seattle fans talk about Russell Wilson, right? That's all Pete Carroll's fault. The team, as it's set up right now, it's Pete's fault. Like, you can see that there. You can see it with Mike Zimmer and the Vikings. I mean, it's hard to assess how true some of this stuff is because as soon as something goes wrong, usually fans will point the finger right at the head coach. But the the stuff the Bears are doing on offense, dead last in passing with a pass-first head coach, for crying out loud. Like, Nick Foles comes in seemingly figures it out on his own. I mean, like we could talk and talk and talk about it, but I am ultimately really thankful that they have Justin Fields, who even though he's got a massive fumbling problem, he's committing way too many turnovers, and he started out the season dramatically rawer than I think anybody wanted to admit, right? That that Cleveland game, that Cincinnati game, it was a matter of Fields looking flat out bad and then making good plays instead of like the other way around. Now... By the end of this season, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, like Detroit, there have been enough of these games where Fields has the tape to draw, I think, whatever head coach the Bears would want. It's just a matter of whether they can find the right guy going forward and put all these pieces together. You know, you hear that, Ryan Day? Yeah? <laughs> Are um, you a day guy? <laughs> not necessarily. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think... When it comes down to coaching, it's hopefully finding somebody who is going to use Justin Fields' strengths as exactly that. Strengths. And he's a coach is going to play to that. And I'm not 100% sure that Nagy has completely spit in the face of that, but I'm not going to say that he has intently done that and played to what he's good at right. because I've seen him drop him back in a bunch of empty sets because he was forcing him into a West coast mold a lot. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we'll see how the whole coaching carousel happens. Now, granted, this is if Matt Nagy gets fired. Um, Oh my gosh. What? Uh, 
He's got to. Well, right? uh, uh, he has to, right? It's the Bears. It's the McCaskies. <laughs> and you bring up a good point. And and there's a there is a chance. Um, now granted, anybody listening who's yelling at whatever they're listening on right now, saying that I'm an idiot. No, I don't hope this happens. Nor do I think it will. Uh, but I mean, yeah, the whole ownership has always been an interesting thing. The way that they believe in certain people and. So, I mean, I hope there's overhaul. I really do. I um, can only get so excited about a trade-up every year in the draft for all of the future. I can only do that so many times before I say, okay, the year's 24 through 26. We are actually going to have no picks. Um, I hope that doesn't happen, but, you know, it might and maybe... Pace will preach that next year's our year. Um, he's still around, but all that all that to say, I do hope that we can find somebody that will play to Justin Fields' strengths because I think he has a lot of them, and I think that a you know, granted, they've lost a couple um, to the incredibly sprightly Detroit Lions, especially, but Arizona has found something really good in a in a coach that's playing to what his quarterback is good at. Right. Um, and, you know. Well, not recently. <laughs> again, yeah. Um, but, you know, the Colts are good. The Colts are actually, I would say, very good. They found it with Carson Wentz after, oh, my gosh. Like, I'll, I can be very open with all of y'all. Where in the offseason, I was trying to get myself excited about Carson Wentz because there was that point where it felt like a deal was imminent where the Chicago Bears might have been acquiring him and, Oh my word, I can't express enough that I've talked negatively about a lot of quarterbacks and Carson Wentz looked so abysmally bad where you could see the talent on like one out of four of his throws, but whether it was hero ball decision-making, ghastly ball placement, I mean, it any red flag you wanted from a quarterback, he had every single one of them. Like it was... Did you watch a game on Thursday? What Carson Wentz? Yes. Looking surprisingly put together? That's my point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm setting you up for, for saying that, like you're talking about, a coach channeling the same talent differently can have very different results. Yeah, and I totally agree. And I think a lot of this, you know, Nick Foles and Carson Wentz and a lot of things does point to the fact that, like, gosh dang, Frank Reich, seems to be an awesome coach and from everything that I have heard and been able to put together. And he has played exactly to what Carson Wentz is good at and has not entirely asked too much of him. And also what's interesting is that this year could be a year where a really successful team isn't necessarily off the back of how far their quarterback will take him, which right. has been, you know, as we were talking about, has been something in the NFL Recently, you know, Mahomes and Brady and whatever else, it's kind of like, okay, that team is going to go as far as the amount of yards that the quarterback throws in the playoff game. And so to watch a team, I mean, specifically the Patriots, who granted Belichick's going to Belichick, but you're throwing, what, five passes in a game and winning? Oh, it was um, three. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, I think it completed three. No, it was just three through three. He there you go. Two. Well, and I, I want to say the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago, in a Colts win, I think Carson Wentz threw about 12 passes and I think completed five of them. Um, I'm going to fact check myself on that. Uh, but all that to say, there are some really good teams who have a solution, it seems, at quarterback, sure. but not necessarily the solution for the next however many years, and they're going to give him as much money as he wants because he is the guy forever and ever and ever. And, I mean, we've seen that with Josh Allen kind of coming back to earth this oh, sure. year. Um, I mean, All that to say, you know, Russell Wilson, did he have a bad game? No. Did he win the game by himself because he's Russell Wilson? I mean, he didn't. He didn't. And honestly, it's not like I thought the Seattle offense played badly. I mean, there was that point in the second half, especially where it felt like Rashad Penny and the Seahawks offensive line and everything that they were doing in the running game was just 
crushing the Bears, right? I mean, they were getting what felt like seven and a half yards of tote, where they'd get five, then they'd get seven, then they'd get 12, then they'd get five again. It, was, it wasn't as if it was like old school Carolina pound the rock ball, like the stuff that we know that Pete Carroll likes to play, but it was enough to where us as Bears fans, <laughs> I mean, my dad just recently entered the room. All of us were looking at each other expecting the Bears to lose. The fact that Seattle missed the field goal, they kind of opened the door again, was super surprising if anything i thought it was a little funny i will say this that russell wilson took what could have been a six yard sack bent it backwards into a 12 yard sack and i said to myself hey justin fields got destroyed for doing exactly that last week wonder who he's modeling his game after but yeah like you're saying i mean different coaches can extract different results from the same talent you see it all across the nfl regardless of what that talent is and if anything, I feel like the Bears, uh, <laughs> their decision to move in a younger direction, which granted, took a lot of luck. Like, they had to get the the New York Giants, who they'll be playing next week, ironically. Potential revenge game for Mike Glennon, who threw more passes today than Jake Frum. So, that would be hilarious to see potentially Nick Foles, but it, I mean, I would hope it'd be Justin Fields, right? Taking on... Uh, Mike Glennon, former ghost of the of like the Chicago land area, but yeah, I mean, I don't think that if you could do it again, anybody's picking Russell Wilson over the state the state that they're in, even if the state that they're in isn't pretty, because it's either you're going to try to build up from a player that I think has had extremely low lows, like no no hiding it with Justin Fields. Perfect example that fumble last week terrible right Foles never did anything close to that today except Fole fumble well so you pick fumble but like <laughs> Foles fumbled out of the pocket right he didn't fumble off of a run he didn't fumble off of something where you go you've got to be kidding me that's not even an NFL play right yeah Foles looked like the consummate professional today all that propping up we did earlier is just saying look at Nick Foles kind of play in spite of the situation around him it's not us saying Foles is a Super Bowl MVP what are we doing playing Justin Fields like nobody's looking for that Right. And so it was it was a fun football game. I feel like we need to talk at least a little bit about the defense. Uh, yeah. I feel like they were super up and down. Right. The more that the more that we watch Kendall Vildor, the less I want to watch Kendall Vildor. I mean, I can't tell if he just got lucky at the start of the season, like it was suggested by a whole bunch of stat metrics. But he blew another coverage today. Felt like he was consistently allowing first down. Like there was a ton of stuff that I feel like 22 in particular did wrong. I don't think Eddie Jackson had a phenomenal game. I feel like Thomas Graham was hit and miss. I don't know who decided that he needed to be playing press coverage against DK Metcalf world-class sprinter that already has like six inches on him but somebody did and that person made a wrong decision but overall i mean i would be lying if i said like the defense made stops when they needed to but i guess robert quinn kind of did huh yeah i mean robert quinn did uh, at the very end of the game you know they were all juiced up being ahead for the first time it seems in quite some time two games Last yeah. lead was green bay and uh I mean, so there were plays made, especially at the end, that were awesome. Uh, you know, Roquan played well, even in a in a backseat role a little bit. Uh, it was funny that all of the Thomas Graham hype kind of came down to earth just right at the beginning of Real the game. Real fast. <laughs> and that's not necessarily to say that it's, it's his fault. Um, Had a nice play there at the end. Being put in press coverage. Yeah, I mean, he did. Uh... I mean, he was a steal out of the sixth round and just, in my opinion, the way that the opt-out and everything worked, um, you know, hopefully he's a guy that could be utilized in the future. But yes, I think he is much better than Kendall Vildor or, or Juke Shelley or insert other random Bears secondary player that has played this year. Um, but yeah, there was, there was a lot of gashing in terms of, oh, there's another 11-yard run by Rashad Penny. Cool. Uh, right. Oh, cool. There's another, you know, eight yard end around by Dwayne Eskridge that gets 15 yards extra. There was just a lot of, okay, cool.
cool, great, eight more yards, awesome. The Bears had some of their worst broken tackles today of the season. I mean, as far as play extensions, whether it was Thomas Graham at one point getting run over by Rashad Penny, whether it was, I can't even remember who it was that got run over on some of these. They kind of all blurred together, right? But it reminds me of, oh gosh, early on in the season, it must have been like, week maybe it was a San Fran game I can't quite remember but there was one game where I feel like yeah probably San Fran where everybody just missed a whole bunch of tackles this yeah, was very can, reminiscent of that. Debo Samuel for that one. oh oh you can but it was it was funny because looking back I mean I'm gonna have to rewatch the game to have any opinion about the defense truly it's fair because if memory serves the Seahawks also stopped themselves a couple drives whether it was penalties that pushed them back there was that false start there right at the end of the game that was hilarious i know they had a third and a t- like a second and 4 that the throw was too high push or pushed the Seahawks into third and 4 and then Russ just missed or maybe the throw got dropped like they the Seahawks definitely shot themselves in the foot just as often as the Bears shot themselves in the foot. And I don't think us Bears fans really recognized it until the very end of the game, when somehow Nick Foles turned a first read, second read look into getting to Demir Bird way late and still finding his way into the end zone. Yeah, he was he time. was much more open than when the throw was made before the throw was made. Right, which... You know, it's it's easy to talk about <laughs> offense because it's obviously right in front of you, easy to remember. The defense piece, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Bears even do. We've talked a lot about the future, obviously talked Justin Fields, head coach, so on and so forth. But watching what this Bears defense chooses to do going forward is going to be a real turning point. Because to take Thomas Graham as an example, I don't think he's going to work in a man coverage scheme right? He can play man coverage, but he needs to be in a pattern match zone defense. I don't think he'll be as good in a spot drop zone defense. I don't think he'll be as good in like a middle field closed cover three defense. Maybe he could adapt to it, but I don't think he'd be as strong as this cover two base corner defense that we're seeing him play in. But those are the kinds of decisions that tend to get made when you change head coaches. Like it's not as if the Bears are going to keep Desai around, regardless of your feelings about him, because he technically worked with Nagy, which, I mean, the new guy would have to be new enough. Take Ryan Day. I mean, you already mentioned him. You'd have to have an unusual You'd have to have an unusual scenario for the coach to want to keep Desai around. And if not, you're either going out and looking for the best cover two defensive coordinator that you can find, or you change the defense. So, yeah. seeing what the Bears do, because, you know, I wish I could say far be it from the Bears to make decisions against the best interest of their personnel, but come on. We know this franchise. Frankly, we know how the NFL works. Like, that stuff happens all the time. So, seeing what they do there will be a real turning point in the offseason. But for now, it felt like the defense kind of, I don't know. What about what do you think? Because I feel like they kind of just got a C, right? They did enough, right? Maybe a C plus. I'm going to say B minus. All right. Very um, giving today. You know, again, going back to school, I'm a senior in college. Is an 81 and a 79 that different? No, but it's more different than two points would suggest. Because uh, it feels different. And that's what I would say today was. It wasn't necessarily a good grade. But, you know, it feels different. I would say I would give the Bears an 81. Um, you know, we look at that and we're like, yeah, it's a B. And you look at the extra grade and you're like, oh, barely. Um, they really barely got the job done, but they did, they did get the job done. Um, you know, there were stupid bears things that happened that, you know, I'm thinking Alec Ogletree hitting the ball down from Dwayne. I think it was Dwayne Estridge (laughs) and, you know, Dwayne Estridge kind of came at him and then they threw the flag and 15 yards and 15 yards turned into a 10 yard Rashad Penny carry that then, I think that was the drive with the missed field goal. But I mean, again, that was in their own territory in a spot where we could have made a stop. And I mean, if we lost the game, it's like Alec Oldridge, like, dude, like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be the vet. You're supposed to be the guy that's been there. Like, what are you doing? Hitting the ball out of a guy's hands after the play when you know refs are literally five feet from you, not to mention the hundreds of HD cameras seeing all of it happen. Yep. It just, it was stupid. 
Um, and, you know, there's a lot of refing things that have been pretty dumb this year. Um, talking about you, Pittsburgh game. But I, that was just, like, that shouldn't happen. Especially from the guy that's supposed to have been there before. Uh, but yeah, other than that, there was there was a lot from the defense that was like, I mean, like, hey. Marty Burns almost intercepted a ball. But he didn't. But he didn't. Um, <laughs> and and again, the fact that we're sitting here saying, hey, he almost did that. Uh, that's the state of this defense. And they're not the Monsters of the Midway this year. They're not the 2018 team. Um, and that's okay. You know, we lost Kalumak. And we've lost a lot of other things. We lost most of our secondary last week. <coughs> we lost quote on Hicks. quote unquote certified CB one. You know, we'll see about that. Jalen Johnson um, wasn't playing, but you know, for a team that has DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett among others, didn't get gashed as many times as I thought we would specifically with like super down the field throwing, because that's been a lot of specifically DK's career. And so, you know, they're really, other than that 40 yard touchdown, I can't think of many times DK Metcalf caught the ball, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he didn't have a great game. Now I could be totally wrong. My brother is fact checking me right now. Um, but he didn't seem to have a a huge role in the offense. I mean, it was interesting because I think if they had won, uh, yes, he had two catches for 41 yards. Yeah. His longest was 41 yards. So his other catch was for nothing. Yeah. And so, you know, again, if we had lost this game, I would probably be in my mind saying, Oh yeah, the Rashad Penny game. Um, cause that's what it felt like. And it's what the stats say yeah. too. I mean, he had 17 for 135 and a touchdown. Mm, I mean, yeah. And so a lot of those points, did Russell Wilson look awful? No. Did he look like an MVP? Absolutely not. Um, he did some, he did what he needed to, but Rashad Penny was gashing us the entire way down the field for most of the game. And so right. that would be the emphasis on the defense. I mean, there was a really, really funny uh, picture slash like slow-mo video going to a commercial of Bilal Nichols just looking genuinely upset. And and I looked at the TV and said, me too, Bilal, because um, that's how it felt. It is. I mean, it's funny you talk about the BC thing. I always feel like where things get tied up are, uh, you know, the let's call it the new school grading system. Once I got into grading football, I had a whole bunch of fans remind me, Michael, that C is good. C is passing. C is C is not like, like we all we you, when you're in school, you're like, oh, B, but you get the idea. Who cares? I, at the end of the day, I agree with everything you're saying. We got to wrap this up. We've got a birthday party to get back to. But overall thoughts in the game. Look. I don't want to take the mic away from you. I feel like we've pretty plainly expressed them, right? Yeah. Fun, fun game, like fun result, pretty meaningless. One of the more meaningless football games that I've ever watched, but it had its intrinsic meaning. It was fun to see the Bears come back, if only to see your jersey win in one of these fun snow games. Outside of that, more will be coming at you here on the podcast channel as Lester and JB get back at it with Bear Baron Balance tomorrow. Bears banter likely coming later this week, but you really never know around the holidays. Bears over beers previewing Mike Glennon's potential hashtag revenge game. T-formation conversation the day after it and everything else that you, as always, expect to see on the Witty City Gridiron podcasting channel. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. I've been Robert Schmitz, here with my brother Michael, and until next time, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me. 